Huh. Okay. Well, everyone, I've got a completely spontaneous guest today. We were going to have a lady on, a lady and her partner, and she was going to talk about like her alternative health methods for basically eating whatever you want and not feeling guilty about it. To summarize, that was her basic thing. And she seemed kind of cool, but her like partner was kind of weird. I mean, I'm sure they're good people. They're supposed to meet at the studio at 6, and they weren't here until 6.30. And right as I was about to go meet them, after waiting outside for them by the side of the road, it started to pour rain. I took it as a sign from the heavens that I shouldn't interview them. And then I was like, well, I need to get a guest now. And I was like, this this isn't a divine sign that I shouldn't. That, that I shouldn't have anyone on the podcast. This is a divine sign that I should have someone different on the podcast. So I went to this little local sushi sushi joint here in Bali. Um, and there was two people there. And I just made an announcement, said, hey, who wants to be on a podcast? And this guy was like, yeah, sure, why not? So he's in the studio now. And I just kind of wanted to get something off my chest before we get started. Um, this podcast is a work of art, all right? This is not how I truly feel. So when I'm expressing a perspective or an opinion or saying something, I'm just exercising my artistic, uh, my, my, my artistic right, my, my, my artistic liberty. Okay. So I don't want anyone to take offense to anything I say. Uh, at the same time, you're totally welcome to take offense to things I say. I don't really care. Part of the reason I started this podcast is because I'm sick of cancel culture and I'm sick of people censoring themselves everyone's got thoughts in their mind everyone's got things going on in their head that they don't always express and i just think the world would be a better place if we just spoke our mind and didn't overreact to that so if someone says something offensive to you it's your responsibility to decide how you're gonna react and i honestly don't have anything against anyone listen i love nazis i love rabbis i love White people, black people, purple people, gay people, trans people, straight people. I love people. I love non-people. I love animals. All right? I love trees. Okay? So I love I love everything. All right? So when I say things that might seem offensive, you know, like the last episode that I recorded in the studio, you know, I, I drank the breast milk out of a pregnant woman's uh, boob. And I feel like that could be interpreted as <laughs> as fucked up. I'm sorry. Um, but it wasn't meant as, in a humorous way. And I know it's funny and it's entertaining. But it was sort of like, I mean, just look at it. Interpret it as you will, all right? The point being is breast milk is really healthy. And if you want to drink breast milk and you're two consulting, consenting adults, you know, you should be able to do whatever you want to as two consenting adults. And I just want to get that off my chest. And one more thing, listen, if you want to talk to me, you can DM me at The Real Talk Story. The Real Talk Story, okay? S-T-O-R-Y. DM me there, all right? And we're still doing weekly giveaways. We're giving away money all the time on there. So come win some money. Come, uh, you know, give, give a piece of your mind. <sighs> thanks, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. We're all in this together, and I appreciate you letting me get that out of my chest, you know, I really do. Um, and anyways, uh, I think I think that's about I think that's about it. Um, we're winging this podcast. We've got this. We've got this. Uh, we've got this guest in here. 
He seems like a pretty cool dude. I mean, you know, I I don't know the guy, but he seems cool. And we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna let him, you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna let him roll. And uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully he's a cool guy and we get along and everything's well and we learn some cool stuff. He's probably got a good story. He's got a good attitude. He's got a cool little green meanie motorcycle. So uh, yeah, enough of my uh, monologue. Let's get into it. Uh, and uh, yeah, welcome back. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Real Talk Stories live from Bali, where everyone's got a story. Uh, everyone does have a story. That is true. Um, I'm feeling a little strange today. It's been an interesting day, but I'm hanging in there, guys. And you being here with me helps a lot. And I really mean it when I say reach out. So without further ado, let's uh, let's welcome Max. Max, how's it going? I'm all right. I'm all right. How, how about you? Max, your voice sounds so so much manlier than mine. <laughs> Thank you. I actually uh, I heard a lot of compliments about my voice, and I did some voiceovers in my life in the past. So I I've had some uh, yeah <laughs> cartoons or what? No, it's uh, it's kind of like guides for uh, cryptocurrency companies that what that I oh did. cryptocurrency company. Yeah, I had some experience uh, from that. Uh, I, I used to work in the media in Hong Kong uh, for the cryptocurrency company. It was it was interesting experience. Okay, yeah, let's uh let's uh I'm really bad at doing introductions, so we're just gonna let you go ahead and um and introduce yourself. Feel free to just sure be I'm, anonymous uh, or be be uh you know not be be known or be anonymous. Be whatever you want to be. Just go ahead and introduce. Uh, say your name, where you're from, what your deal is. My name is Max. I'm from Ukraine. I'm 23 years old, and I live in Bali for a year. I actually left my home country when I was 17, uh, so it's been six years abroad. Um, it was a brave move. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to go to university in a, to a shitty university in, back in Ukraine. So I decided to change my life, and I went to live in Asia. So I did some crypto. I traded it. I went to spiritual schools. And now I'm doing stand-up comedy here in Bali. First Russian stand-up comedy in Bali. And also in English sometimes in Changgu. So it's been good. <laughs> Wait, the, the, the Russians do comedy? Uh, yeah. It's, I, know, I know it sounds weird. Uh, for you, we are all grumpy and uh, I don't know. But yeah, we do comedy and uh, it's growing. It's growing. I know stand-up comedy in America is, uh, is a big thing. It's a, it's a cultural thing. But it's... It started to be popular around 10 years ago in Russia and Ukraine. I say I say I'm Ukrainian, but you know, it's the our world is a Russian world. Basically, every country that used to be in the USSR is a Russian world. So it's like one area. Speak Russian uh, or Ukrainian? Are they uh, separate languages? We, I I speak both. Uh, my family used to sp- it, 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 my my family speaks Russian. But uh, I learn Ukrainian in school. But in, where I'm from, it's like 50-50 in Kiev. All right, so you're max 23 and didn't go to college. That's I, the whole story, or what? I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're missing a few. I feel like there's a few details between Max being named Max as a child and then Max being 23 living in Bali. Yeah. So basically, my life as an adult starts when I was uh, 12. So my parents are divorced, and um, when I was 12, there was another virus. Now it's a coronavirus, but back in the days, it was some kind of 
I don't know, some other fluid that was big. So my mom decided to send me to China to my dad, which I used to live there. And um, my dad said, you don't need to go to school to be a successful person in your life. Uh, just try to just try to um, earn some money straight from now. So when I was 13, I started to learn Chinese and I was in China and my dad started to teach me how to trade uh, fake iPhones. So that was my first business back in the days. Counterfeit iPhones? Yeah, it was uh, it was a uh, copycats iPhones with a shitty i a shitty like uh, software system that it isn't iOS but it uh, looked like an iPhone. So it was a popular thing uh, and in back in Russia and Ukraine, but most of the people couldn't afford it. So for them, it was a solution: be cool, you know, show off. Uh, I have iPhone, but it's not exactly iPhone, and it costs like 150 bucks. So. Tim Cook, if you're listening, um, this is all fiction. It's for entertainment purposes only. He, ne- <laughs> he never sold counterfeit goods. Isn't it? Isn't it true though? Uh, China has no counterfeit laws. Uh, I don't know what it means actually. The counterfeit laws. What? what? Counterfeit laws. Yeah. So, in China, basically, there is no. So, for example, in Western Europe and uh, in the States, um, if you're selling an item that looks identical to a company's item, but it's not sold by the company. It's considered counterfeit. Yeah. Imitation. I, yeah. And I, you can go to jail for it. But in, in China, I was told there's no counterfeit laws. So you could sell duplicate goods and it's all it's all good. Yeah, that's true. They don't they don't care. Like similar like with all the rights things, you know, it's it's okay for them to copy. They don't they don't feel like they're stealing anything. They just make it cheaper. So f- there are people who wants to buy it for the cheaper price, and there is a market for it. So I th- assume they are allowed to do this. Yeah. Sounds very sounds very efficient, actually. Yeah. Um. I mean, people still wants to buy uh, original iPhones, but it, it it was funny. It was funny uh, at the time when I was thirteen to sell things like that and i liked it and so i was 13 i was like searching for a better price and it was a huge uh tech uh, tech streets you know like what city were you in uh shenzhen oh shenzhen yeah you know the city right yeah yeah, i've been there a few times right on the border of hong kong yeah so you know there is a a a street huachan bay so high high uh floor buildings full of everything every electronics you could find so for me, it was a challenge. So I created my first website, put some goods there, and, start, and you know, people started to buy it. And I was like, wow, that's easy like that. And um, at the time, I was, I was a child, basically. I was, I was a child. And my voice was like a childish voice. It's something like, like, like right now. So to sell this, my customers used to call me by Skype, and I used to speak with them. I had to change my voice in this uh and the uh, program inside the computer so they can understand me and uh, trust me because who wants to fucking trust <laughs> their money to a child? You know, they used to buy like 10 iPhones or even 25 iPhones. I remember I, I used to sell. So it's it was weird. So that taught me that life is so much more fun when you have money. And I started to earn my first money at the, at the time. But... What happened next? I I came back to Ukraine and I realized I'm not a child anymore. Like all my older. How, how old were you when you went back? Uh, basically a year later. Well, you're 14. Yeah, 
so I realized I'm not a child anymore. Yeah. I just did my first business, and now I have to go to school with the same, uh, like same age children. But I'm not a child anymore. I earn more money than my teacher earns. Mm. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. And from that time, I was just thinking about doing business or how to go back to China or do some stuff with China again. What were your parents divorced? Yeah, yeah, they were divorced, and they, it's super divorced. Yeah, now they have a third marriage each. Was that before or after the war? Uh, that was uh, long before the war. In, back, yeah, war in Ukraine. I was seventeen. I was a. Uh, it was my uh, last year in high school, um, and yeah, they, basically the revolution started. And uh, Ukraine is a funny country because two thousand fifteen, right? Uh, fourteen, fourteen. 14. We have we had two revolutions in ten years. Why? I don't know because people like to. I like mean, what are they revolting against? So, uh, okay, okay. Let's say uh, we are a democratic country on the paper, right? But uh, in the reality, it's not like that. And we used to have two sides all the time: the pro-Russian side and pro-European side, pro-Western side. Uh, of uh, political uh, of, of of politics basically, and um, they just fight all the time. And um, back in 2014, our president um, promised that they would sign some kind of trade agreement with Europe, but it didn't happen. And a uh, hundred uh, college students went to the main square of Ukraine, Maidan, uh, and just started to say. Whatever they had to say, like so they want they want to be in the EU or what? Yeah, we was that basically what the signature was for? It was joining the. It's, it's, not, it's not exactly joining the EU, but it was a uh, regulating one of the trade first agreements. steps uh. towards joining EU because joining EU is not an easy process. Is uh, it takes some time and uh, but that that was one of the steps to towards that. So, so what he did, what yeah. he did, he just sent uh, police, the special force, and just just beat them. All of them. Who was this? Uh, Yanukovych, the president. Yanukovych. Yeah. And this was this was in 2014. Though, yes, exactly. And so 100 students went to the main square, sort of like Arabs, the Arab Spring, but a lot less people. 100 students. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, you know, we want you to follow through on your commitment to sign these documents with yeah. the EU. And basically, the special forces went. Special forces or was just cops. No, that was a special forces, you know, like uh, well, cops in a full equipment with, uh, with I don't know how you call this, with the sticks. Baton. Yeah. Baton. Um, yeah, they they just beat all of them with no questions or anything. That's that's how it's supposed to. It's so crazy how, like, especially, I mean, war is crazy enough, but it's, like, extra, it's extra crazy that somehow uh, leaders of a country can get a certain demographic of its population to beat and assault another demographic of its population. Like, how, how, like, I mean, they probably have children. I mean, they probably, the cops that were beating the students probably had kids that were in the protest. That's or ex exactly. Had kids that had friends that were in the protest. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, that's and awkward. That's, that's, like, what's, yeah. What'd you and, do and, today? You know, oh, I and beat you know what happened? Best friend. The next day, one million people on a on a main square, hundred to one million in one night, because it it spread so like every everybody used to, uh, used to talk about this and uh, 
they just went on a square, one million people, just like that. And uh, yeah. And the one, the million people, were they upset because Jokovic? Yanukovych. Because Yanukovych wouldn't sign the document with the EU, or were they upset because the cops beat those kids? Yeah, the second one, because that... So they didn't that, care, that the EU or not, that wasn't really... Yeah, they, they just like, more. you are fucked up, bro. You, 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 can, you cannot just beat students <laughs> that want to say something against you. Uh, and that was the main thing. So they they couldn't stand that their uh, the, the ruler of the country could just what, uh, do things like that. What's it's, the population of Ukraine? Uh, it's 45 millions. So, so it's, it's a big country. So basically, like, almost 3% of the population showed up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, in America, if it's about 400 million, I said like, that's like if 12 million people showed up approximately to a, to something. Yeah, like yeah. 12, that's like if 12 million people just rolled up to the White House, like, yeah. You know, I was there. I was uh, inside this crowd. It was a fucking the first crowd thing. or the second crowd? Uh, the, the 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 one million crowd. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, not about the no, no, no. no. Uh, w- but yeah, it was. Uh, I remember my dad and me. We went there and uh, we just like, this is crazy. It's the energy is crazy. People are really want to change something. And first thing that happened, uh, people uh, took the main. Um, I don't know how to say it exactly, but the, the main regional building, the like the political building, people just took it like this. They just uh, went in and said, "Okay, now we are occupying this building. We don't want anybody to um, to uh, create any new rules for uh, for our country here, especially in Kiev." And then I remember, like, people went to the presidential office where he works with a big crowd, and somebody just uh, draw in on the fucking on the big thing on the tractor you know you know tractor <laughs> yeah, yeah. just inside the crowd Farmer, and, the f- yeah and there is the police standing in a line like two lines from this and he just going straight into them and i was like i was watching that and i was like okay this is becoming violence violent <laughs> right now and he he just bumps into the crowd of police and I don't know, five seconds, I hear the I hear the officer says action and they just run into the people. And I remember myself and my dad just running away from them because they didn't care uh who they beat in. So it was it was a pretty scary thing, but the adrenaline and uh, the aggression and the whole crowd and violence is just is a rapid thing. It's it it works like you see the violence, you act violent violently. Right. Okay, so the first day there was 100 people, and we're talking about the revolution, the Ukrainian revolution of 2015. Yeah, 14. 14, yeah. excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Ukrainian revolution of 2014. So first day, 100 students show up and are like, yo, hey, what the fuck, you know, buddy, president guy, you're supposed to be a Democratic elected president. You said you were going to sign these documents and like have a close relationship with the EU. You didn't. What's the deal with that? And the president was like, oh, what the deal with that is, is I'm going to beat all your asses with these batons and he sent cops out there and they beat everyone's ass with batons. And then the country was like, yo, so then like basically 3% of the population in the entire country, like a million people showed up the next day to protest. And it was relatively peaceful until some dude showed up with a tractor and started driving the tractor into the cops. At which point the cops freaked out. 
and started beating everybody indiscriminately. Yes. But to be honest, we don't know who was this person on the tractor because sometimes... CIA. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, people just need to provoke other people to create some action. So yeah, maybe, agent, agent provocateurs. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, I don't really... I don't really know because it's so like the information and opinions from all this from all different sources and it was a mess. It was a mess. It was like you couldn't even walk on the streets and feeling safe because there were people in uh, just uh, regular clothes that could just beat people and, and, and start to spread fear around the city. Uh, so it was really dangerous just to walk on the street, not even in the main square where the action happened. So... It was a mess. But, uh, you know, I remember like two months later in the revolution, it just became a common thing for us. Like people get, Whoa, get used to it. slow down, slow down. So basically there was, there was basically like, it just kept going like that. Like every day police yeah. just beating. It's, it's not like everyday police citizens? beating. The, the police uh, used to protect uh, like main buildings. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But, the, but, but the crowd... It, uh, was getting bigger and bigger and people from all around Ukraine uh, went to Kiev and started to just leave and they basically on the main square and, in they, the tent and they're like so there was like Occupy Kiev basically it was like Occupy movement in the states but Occupy Kiev Occupy was like this movement this political sort of it's it's not like uh, occupation, but you know, Ukraine Ukraine is uh, in a border with Russia, so there are regions that support pro-Russian side and the government so. This is where the war actually happened later because those areas didn't want to change the government, so they went against the revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah but hold on, hold on. So, yeah. <laughs> so what? So how long did this just this uh, this protesters show up and police beat them thing go on before something else happened? Uh, the main action was uh, in during the first months. So there were many, uh, many fights with the police. I remember yeah. uh, it was pretty violent. Everybody was wearing um, some kind of equipment, getting and uh, getting like uh, sticks and started to it started to act. So everybody was violently um, in a violent mood. You know, it, it's it was really pretty dangerous. So um, two months later. Two months later, there was still everyday action. So then, what happened then is um, they took all the government buildings in Kiev. The protesters? Yeah. Including the presidential palace? Yeah. Exactly. Where, where, where the president so there was an opposition. Where the president go? He went to Russia. Oh, shit. Yeah, he flew away uh, after that action, and he's still, <laughs> like, he's still guys. there. He's still there somewhere in, the, in Russia under the protection. Uh, well, you know, uh, well, so he just left. Yeah, he just left, like in a helicopter out the off out of the roof or whatever. Yeah, exactly. What? And then the protesters occupied all the buildings. Yeah, and this was about how how many months? How many months later? I think th three or four months. Okay, so yeah. <clears throat> day one is basically a hundred, hundred, hundred students show up because president was supposed to sign some document to be buddy buddy with the EU. Didn't sign it. Cops beat beat those hundred students next day a million people show up as response in response to the cops some someone shows up with a tractor tries to plow it into the cops cops then start just beating people indiscriminately and this goes on 
more or less unchanged for about a month or two, at which point the perimeters are all breached and the protesters begin occupying all the buildings. And the, I guess, the standing president that was there basically flew to Ukraine. Flew to Russia. I mean, excuse me, flew to Russia. Yeah. This reminds me about what's happening in America right now. Not even joking. So it's like, Similar, I feel yeah. like Trump is going to fly to Russia. I feel like people are going to protest and they're going to occupy the White House. And Trump, they're like, so where is Trump? And he's still living in Russia to this day. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, the Yanukovych is still in Russia and uh, under their protection. So you know what happened next is... Um, they elected, they, had a, they probably had a vote. Yeah. For the for the new for the opposition uh, side for the political opposition yeah, yeah they had what vote but this is the thing not every region in Ukraine wanted to change the government so they refused to vote and they said we are autonomous republic of Donetsk and Donetsk and yeah and so Lugan. it was mostly Eastern Russia I mean yeah. excuse me it was mostly uh, Eastern Ukraine exactly exactly. So Eastern Ukraine was basically like, we're Donetsk, Donetsk, and um, Western Russia was like, well, we're the Democratic Republic of Ukraine, essentially. You know, uh, also every other city was taken by protesters. In every city, there was a little protesting crowd that took the, the government buildings, and there was violence all over. I remember, like, watching uh, a trading center just in the flame. Was that the craziest? Was the cra is that the craziest shit you saw? This one, one of the craziest shit I saw in my life, and and the violence was crazy, and people sh started to show off with the guns. I I think around two hundred people died during these actions. Uh, that's not and funny. yeah, but it's not like um, the the snipers were there. there the police. So, yeah, the snipers were just randomly. And, and this and that was before the president flew away. Yeah. Yeah. So there were, but the thing is, uh, Russia, Russia has um, a huge political um, plans on Ukraine. This is strategically a region between uh, between Europe and Russia. So there were many people from Russian military, probably I don't know, but <laughs> the, yeah, 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 working uh, the, working with the uh, Ukrainian government, yeah. Uh, with the previous government. And there's probably U.S. special forces working with the protesters. Maybe. We don't know. But uh, European government used to... They, they supported opposition, yeah. What's uh what's Russia's big uh big fascination with Ukraine? Like, what's the, what's the obsession? Uh, this is a, a territory between uh, Europe and Russia, basically. And this territory, uh, we have the big pipes that... Uh, um, the oil? The, the, yeah, the gas is the, the Gazprom that sells to uh, to to Europe goes through Ukraine from Russia. Yeah, and also we have this uh, strategical military base in Crimea, Russian military base, and uh, they took Crimea basically because St of that. And they still have Crimea. It, it's still we. It's still unsettled. Mm -hmm. It's still like. Some countries accept that it's Russia right now. Some countries are not, but it's still... But to be honest, everybody in Crimea had a chance to change the passport to a Russian passport. Wow. And, and now they use the rubble currency. The ruble, yeah. So, did, they change, did most people change it? Most people, yeah, uh, yeah. All the people I know changed it. 
Uh, oh, you know a bunch of people in the Crimea? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. But uh, was that a vi- was there a resistance to that when Russia came in or Russia just kind of taken it was just like, "Oh, uh, okay, so there there were a few things. First, 50% of population that, that was like 2000 16, 17, yeah. right? Yeah, no, no, no. That was uh, 15, 16. Still, still the same. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, 50% of population in Crimea is Russian citizens. Yeah. 50, around that. And, uh, yeah, so they were pro-Russian anyway. Yeah. And uh, there were military base uh, bases of uh, ships, of Russian ships. And they strategically, by the whole history of that region... Uh, wanted to uh, control Crimea and the Black Sea. That's because it wouldn't. Isn't that isn't that Russia's only gateway to the Black Sea? Uh, yeah, and they also have the Baltic Sea from the St. Petersburg uh, on the but, Crimea does. Uh, no, 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 Russia. Russia. Yeah, but without Crimea, Russia wouldn't have access to the the Black Sea. They they do have access, but uh, the the military bases are in Crimea, so they needed the the region, and also. Uh, Crimea is a very interesting uh, touristic spot. It's like it has mountains. Uh, it's, hmm, so it's very similar beautiful. to, uh, you know, in Bali, I would say to the Uluwatu area and the the, the similar nature there. Mm. So it it has like cliffs, uh, nice sea, and uh, it's it, we used to go there for vacations all the time, all the time when I was uh, because it's it's beautiful and it's mm. nice. So now. Um, and now it's Russia, and um, nobody goes there uh, because it's unsettled. And uh, Russians go there. It's like yeah, but well, is it, it dangerous? It's not dangerous. No, no, Crimea is not. So dangerous. why not just go to the beach? The, f- the yeah, infrastructure I mean, is not there. Like, like the hotels and restaurants. For the, for, for five years, uh, it's just the touristic uh, flow. It just stopped. Mm. I know it's. Uh, Dome- no, it was domestic tourism, though. Right? Yeah. Now the Corona times, of course, we're talking about it's it's <sighs> happening all around the world. But uh, you know, a few years ago, it was a big thing in Crimea. So they lost uh, they lost a lot of uh, f- touristic flow and money. And uh, but now I know Russian investors are investing in Crimea, mm. building some casinos. And, and Crimea is like Russian, Russian now, Russian territory. I yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So they just basically Russia just kind of redrew the line a little bit west and just kind of like oh we'll just take this little. But you know historically, to be honest, it was a gift to Ukraine when the USSR started to. Break. And col- and culturally, Crimea is always I mean speaking Russian and all that, right? Yeah, it's like fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. But the but the thing is, economically. Uh, it has all the support, all the resources from Ukraine, so it made sense to create, to to make it uh, a Ukrainian territory, uh, just because they have all the water supply, electricity supply, and all the resources that people need to leave is coming from Ukraine, and it's way better and way cheaper to uh, sustain this area if it's from Ukraine. But now it's in Russia. That that's why all the um, it's became living there became way more expensive because now the resources are coming from Russia, and they even built the bridge from Russian side, and so now people can go. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, you, Ukrainians can go to Russia, and Russians can go to Ukraine, right? I mean, there's no, is there an issue there? Yeah, is, we. Uh, you I know, mean, do you, I, do you need do you need a cou- visa? A couple of years ago, I uh, went to Russia for a couple of days. 
um, for the conference uh, by by the work. I, I was a speaker in a conference. So uh, yeah, they just they just ask me what is the reason why you're here. But we don't need visas or anything any kind. Yeah. But so to to uh, but the opposite uh, for Russian men to come to Ukraine, you need a sign from a Ukrainian uh, citizen or a Russian man. Yeah, male. So a woman. Women can go more, more. <laughs> you know, th- th- that's because the military uh, action is still there, so people need to control uh, these things. Uh, on the eastern side, there is still unsettled territory, which is, uh, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I was in Kiev. Uh, I was in Kiev. I want to say 2016, 2017 for for some for some for some business. And I met a girl there who was from Donetsk. Don, am I saying that right? Donetsk. 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 Yeah. And she uh, she worked at a like she had like a butterfly sanctuary, which was was pretty awesome. Um, she, uh, she basically had like a bunch of rescue butterflies and bred butterflies and you'd go in there and just like aviary, basically it was all butterflies and they land on your face and you take photos and they're pretty awesome. And she was saying how, you know, her and her mother and father, you know, she used to live with her. She said, you know, she's a nice little Ukrainian family. And one day the Russians rolled in, basically killed her father, took their house, you know, tanks, and she had to flee to Kiev. Um, and she's basically a refugee from from Donetsk. Does this sound accurate? Donetsk. Donetsk is it from from Donetsk. Yeah, that's true. Um, she's a lovely girl. The city Man, the geez. city is destroyed still. Uh, it used to be the second city in Ukraine after Kiev. Yeah, like you imagine uh, L. A. and San Francisco or something. So, yeah, something wow. like that. So it's all destroyed. We, we had like a, who wins when that happens? Nobody wins. Nobody wins. That's that's the thing. Nobody yeah. wins. That's the f- problem with wars. Like a city gets destroyed, nobody wins. Nobody wins. Who? The Russians don't win. Ukrainians don't win. It's like you know, the U.S. goes into Iraq, nobody wins. The Iraqis don't win. The U.S. doesn't win. The city's destroyed. And people are killed. Who wins? Who wins? I mean, they. Uh, it, it used to be a um, uh, a resource-based uh, area. So all the I think metal or some kind of the. So there's some mining actually. Yeah. So and many um, all uh, and the 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 most uh, the richest person in Ukraine used to have all the business there. Yeah. His football team, uh, he built the stadium. He's from there. He and now it's all gone for for him. So. Wow. But he, the thing is, he used to support Yanukovych, and he used to be like a main investor in his political actions. So it's weird. And Yanukovych is actually from Donetsk as well. So it's weird, like he just left, then the territory where he was born and investors lost everything. And um, so, so for him, it's, it's fucked up. So people probably don't like that guy very much, huh? <laughs> you know, what's it's funny. Probably some people. When he left, when he left, uh, his residence where he used to live yeah. was uh, also taken by, uh, the, uh, by, by the opposition supporters. By the protesters, yeah. Yeah, and now it's a museum. A museum for what? For fucking luxury... Things. A museum he used to have fucking gold and toilet. Oh, okay, I see. They kept it all. And he had he he had a full zoo just for his fucking pa- face. Pablo style. Yeah, he had a car. He has like hundred different luxury cars. Huh? Like he he had 
golden bread. Like it's it's. What do you mean up. golden bread? Like just the bread made of gold in his huh? part. Like in, a piece in, of in art. His, yeah, like he in his bedroom. You know all these <laughs> filthy luxury a stuff. Fake like l- loaf of gold bread. It's not fake. It was no, actual, no, the real gold, but yeah. the bread you can't eat it. Yeah, so it was exactly. Like, it was like a piece of art. It was like a gold, a solid gold bread loaf art piece. So you can imagine how, what kind of person he is. He's a like he he didn't care. Like all these things are so unnecessary, you know. And he had all of these luxury things in his house while the the country was like in economic Jeez. disaster. So. And then he just flew away and see still. Well, was there was Russia. there a, was there a, there was a recession in 2014? Was, was the economy was bad? Oh yeah, that affected the economy a lot. Actually, so no, no, pre, before the revolution. Before the revolution, it was going down slowly, but it, during the so revolution, so it was like a slow burn. So look, um, we have uh, our currency is hryvnia. Uh, Let's say like this, U-A-H. So it's the Illuminati currency. It's got the triangle with the eye on it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you do. Yeah, what do you mean? Key, the Kiev currency? Oh, yeah, the, the, the yeah, 500. Don't the, deny. The 500. Illuminati confirmed. Actually, 500, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 500. Um, yeah, exactly. I got the triangle with the... I know about those notes. So we lost about... We lost the... Uh, um, I mean, to a dollar, compared to a dollar, we lost like four or five times the strange of the currency. So went to about fifteen percent of the value, fifteen twenty. No, no, even worse. So uh, during well, five times would be about twenty percent. So look, uh, it used one to fifth. one uh, for one dollar you could buy twelve hryvnias, and now it's twenty eight. Uh, ah, so basically it lost fifty percent, a little more than it lost about fifty. It lost about sixty percent of its value. So it's, yeah. it's worth about forty percent of what it was worth. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's not, I mean, no, it's, it's bad, it's, but it's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad. So people just lost 60% of their, uh, of what they had. They, of they came, everything. Yeah. Of everything in, inside Ukraine, inside the currency. Within the period of a few months. Yeah. And, uh, but Ukraine became a very cheap place to live if you earn, uh, Still currency is. from, Still is. yeah. And the food is delicious. Actually, Ukraine is a really nice place. Like yeah, Kiev. I like Kiev. It's Kiev very inexpensive yeah. and very good quality stuff. Exactly. And Odessa. Odessa, yeah. It's, it's nice. Oh, yeah, I like. Not the band, folks, but the, the city on the coast. You know, the beach it, town of Odessa. After, Delicious food. There was. Did you ever go to that restaurant, the seafood yeah. restaurant in Odessa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I know, know it? it? Yeah, of course. In, in Kiev? The, yeah, this one. Yeah, of course. The restaurant. There, there are many Odessa restaurant but with it was, the seafood. It was in titled in the name of the restaurant was Odessa. Odessa. Uh, where was it located? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> I remember it was delicious. I was like, this food is delicious, and it was like five dollars. It's nothing, actually. Like, oh, like this is the, so cheap. The, even for me, like I earn, uh, I earn in, uh, and actually in cryptocurrency right now. But anyway, in a foreign currency. Uh, when I come back to Ukraine, I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite crypto? Um, Bitcoin, obviously. Solid, right? Yeah. Unhackable. You know what the crazy thing about Bitcoin is? Like the reason that that, that seems to have is because like you can buy anything on the dark web with Bitcoin. <laughs> not not that I do, but um, you can. I know. And, like you can buy U.S. dollars with Bitcoin. You can. Right? Like, like as many U.S. dollars as you want. 
but you can't buy Bitcoin, right? Like exactly with you. Like you can make more U.S. dollars, but you can't make more Bitcoin. Exactly. That's why it's so valuable right now in in this world because uh, what's happening that. United States are in charge of the economics all around the world because the dollar is the main currency, but they keep printing it. And once they print it, people lose. It's starting to lose its value. Dude, they printed like seven trillion extra dollars for COVID for COVID relief, and it's that's why it didn't do anything. It's already all gone. That's why it's crazy. And the Bitcoin (laughs) that has a limited supply. Uh, one day it's gonna be mined, and then there was there will be no new Bitcoin. But and the thing is, it's you can divide it, divide Bitcoin to many many pieces as you want, as many pieces as you want. So yeah, point zero point, zero yeah, zero. Yeah, exactly. And it's unhackable, right? What's the deal with that? No unhackable. One, no, one, no one. I can would hack say it. I would say ninety nine point nine nine nine. Because think about think about the lengths a hacker will go to to get somebody's Bitcoin, right? They'll hack passwords and go into breach data systems and, you know, run scams. Like, if Bitcoin could be could be counterfeited or duplicated, they would just duplicate the, the Bitcoin. But the most technologically advanced computer intelligent people, they can't even, they can't even do it. So they have to, you know, they have to like try and hack people's accounts and do elaborate plots and, you know, hack market currency markets, you know, and that's just sort of is a testament to how strong Bitcoin actually is. Can you summarize just like really basic, really simple terms why Bitcoin is not hackable? Okay, so because it's a the the all the information that contains people's transactions are in the distributed database which means that nobody is in charge of the system if we compare it to us dollars and uh, american government has the control of the central bank and they work uh, together right so they have fully full control the treasury the and the federal reserve exactly yeah. With the Bitcoin, you don't have this because all the storage of the data is distributed by everybody who wants to participate in the network. So if any of these nodes, of any of these people who want to participate, who have the whole uh, informational circle in their computer is gone, the system doesn't care because you have millions of copies uh, everywhere else in the world. So, and it has no ge- geographic or political borders as well. So, it's but, but if every transaction is documented, then how come it can't be tracked? How's it? How can it, it be it, anonymous? It can be tracked if uh, it's not signed on your passport, but you can uh, understand who owns the uh, the public address by understanding um, w- what kind of uh, transactions they make. So it's anonymous. In, in the way that you don't need to uh, sign it up with your passport when you register it, and everybody can do it. But uh, if people know your public address, they can relate... Your IP address. No, no, no. Your public address to the uh, of the blockchain, in, of the Bitcoin. It's not the IP address. Oh, okay. So yeah. the actual address of the Bitcoin, not the, uh, not the yeah, address you, of the you server. Al- you always have the public key and the private key. The public key is what you give to uh, 
when you need to receive the money. So right. So if I'm like, hey, let me get a Bitcoin. Here's my public key. Yeah. And if someone has that public key, they can identify. Mm, yeah. If they but, can't but, identify the owner, they can just identify how that, many how many transactions has been made with this account. There's a there's a digital ledger. Yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't but that's not associated with an individual's name. Exactly. Yeah. So many. Uh, so the group of people can own one uh, public key, for example, like uh, okay, investor, so investor, uh, you know, um, like a company could own one public key, for example. Or they could have ten public keys. Yeah. Also, if they want. The thing is, it's if you're not stupid, uh, your account can be hacked. That's that's the thing. There are different kind of wallets that you can. Uh, that you can have, and uh, there have different uh, security levels. What's the safest wallet? Uh, we call it cold wallets. Oh, so the where you store it on a yeah because on a hard the, drive because yeah it's it's a kind of it it looks like a USB flash drive, and uh, it has the private key that you would need to sign for the transactions inside it. So nobody <laughs> can steal it. But then unless you unless you plug it in. But if you lose the key. It, you can restore it. There huh. is a backup phrases. You have always... Oh, you've got, for your, seed, every, you've got every, your seed words. Yeah. For every wallet in, in every cryptocurrency, you always have 10 or 12 backup phrases that you would sign and you would keep in your, in your safe uh, if, if you're lost. What about, the, what about, yeah. the, uh, what about the, uh, the app wallets? I use Bread. Is that bad? Uh, I use uh, app wallets uh, just for the small transactions. Uh, like, for example, I, I would have a couple of hundred bucks on my uh, cold wallet. You, have you heard uh, of... On a hot wallet, we call it, on in the app. Have you heard of Bread? Uh, no. What's that? Uh, it's, it's, it's a cryptocurrency app that you download on Apple. Yeah, there are many, many, many apps and they're, like this. And they're kind of yeah. safe. It's, a, it's a just an interface for the blockchain. It's just uh, the software interface that you So would... people can hack in there. Uh, no, it's not, it's not hack, but uh, it's for users to to uh, simplify. The, no, but the, people the can experience. hack in there and take your coins. Yes, uh, it's it's more it's it's I would say it's less secured because it's uh, all in a digital uh, on your phone with your all your data and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that be people. It's it's not the worst wallet you can have still. <laughs> the worst one is the one in the browser, like MetaMask, for example. So it, it's just like uh, an in-app, uh, you know, like Google. So MetaMask uh, is terrible, huh? Uh, MetaMask is okay for the small transactions again, but if you store uh, all your <laughs> all you have, you need to have. A so wallet. listen, kitties, if you're out there and you got Bitcoin, and you're preparing for the the coming apocalypse. Cold store your Bitcoin. On a ledger, yeah, it's a, the one Cold of the brands Ledger Nano S, which I use. Yeah, <laughs> I got one of those. Yeah, me too. So, but if what if someone takes your ledger? Uh, it's the, you have the pin password as well. Okay, so you have to unlock the ledger. That one, and then you need to have an app on your computer, and there is another password as well. So oh, you, Jesus, and what if you forget all that shit? You have ten backup phrases in your safe. Oh, the seed words. So you just, if you lost your uh, cold wallet, for example, uh, Ledger Nano S, you just buy a new one and uh, you restore it with your ten phrases, and Easy. it's gonna be all backup. And if someone steals it, 
as soon as you know, you you'll notice within 24 hours, you can just rechange the passwords and make that old make the old physical ledger that someone stole basically worthless, right? Yeah, exactly. So because if you restore uh, on another ledger, I suppose the other one is just uh, you're gonna have two uh, same public and private keys with the two different ledgers, so it's gonna be probably. It's going to be, I don't know, the app probably would say your ledger is not working or something like that. If you restore to a, a new ledger yeah. than when someone yeah. tried to do the old actually, ledger. Actually, I'm not sure about this, actually. I'm not sure. But I, I suppose it's uh, it, this is what, what would happen, yeah. Hmm. You think that's where, I mean, do you think, I mean, you think Bitcoin's going all the way? No, it's today, it's growing still. It's almost 17K. What, it was so. 17K five, three years ago? But you know, in just two weeks, it went from 13k to 17k just right now, just in. So, you know, it's I. There's nothing safer. I mean, right? I mean, what, what else? What else can you really hold that you know for sure? In this world of mass and uh, Corona and uh, political revolutions, wars and uh, un unsettled stuff, there is nothing safer. People compare Bitcoin to gold. Because gold sustained its value through the time. But gold's still being mined. Uh, this is why it's... No, but but there is no much, not much gold left to mine, right? It still has a limit, kind of a limited supply by the earth could produce. So it's digital so, gold. It is. It is. People compare it um, to gold because it has similar things, but just it more advanced uh, because you can... Uh, divide it into many parts. With the gold, was the smallest part you can handle, right? It's physical stuff still. You you can break it to many pieces, but if you really need to make it worldwide as a currency, you create coins, <laughs> just like uh, <laughs> just like we have coins in uh, in the past history. But the thing is, with the uh, regular currencies, what we call fiat currencies, right? It never had a good reputation a good history in the world like all the <laughs> they've like, all crashed they all crashed every exactly. fiat currency just gets screwed by inflation and exactly and if you just watch a graphic of a u.s dollar value it was losing it from 100 years it's just i don't know 30 years ago what imagine what you can buy for 500 bucks uh in 1930s for example if you uh, buy a house. Yeah, you could buy a house uh, at the time. Now, what was you can buy for a couple of hundred bucks? You just fly to Bali. <laughs> PlayStation. PlayStation. So that's the that's the straight example. Like what can like how can you uh, go against that? And they print the new one, and and, and that's the strongest <laughs> currency in the world. Exactly. And it's, and still it's not worthless. backed up by anything, you know. In two, in 1970, it's backed up by Trump, Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. He's got it. He's got it backed up. So, you know, if you uh, lose it, he'll give you a foot massage. Actually, before <laughs> yeah, be, before 1970. Oh, I'm really sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I don't know how to. I have no no. So what say? I have no opinions about Trump. What were you gonna say about 1917? Uh, the president Nixon actually. 1970. 1970. Yeah. 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 Um, president Nixon canceled backing uh US dollar by gold. So from that time it wasn't backed by anything. 
Yeah, up until 1970, he basically, uh, yeah, it, how it was the gold standard. It was, yeah. It was the dollar was, was the the U.S. currency had something printed on it that said "We'll pay to the bearer on demand," which meant you could go. The U.S. government basically would promise, it was basically would honor the promissory notes of those dollars and pay you in gold for that. And Nixon took it off the gold standard and brought on the fiat currency. And they actually made it illegal to not claim your gold or I don't know exactly the details. I think it was in like late 60s, early 70s. The U.S. government said it's illegal to own more than a certain amount of gold. And if you do own more than a certain amount of gold, you have to claim it and pay taxes. And they just made it really difficult and unappealing for people to have gold. So a lot of people just cashed in and took the dollars. Yeah. And uh, from that time, they have the full power <laughs> and to gold, print. <laughs> gold in the 70s was probably like $200 an ounce. And now it's like almost $2,000 an ounce. Yeah. So it's gone up like 10x while the dollar has plummeted. Investing in gold is a good idea. Investing in Bitcoin for long term is also a good idea. But gold you can't put on a ledger and have a password for. Yeah. You, ha you have to actually <laughs> buy jewelry to transfer it from one. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know. Like you go to airport, <laughs> you just put all the gold on you. And uh, I suppose that's how you don't pay taxes when you want to do this. Well, even even gold. I mean, technically anything over a certain. They, the gold is considered cur currency that you have to declare when you go into yeah. any countries. Yeah. Anything over five or ten thousand dollars or whatever it is, whatever country you have to declare it. But Bitcoin, there's no yeah. way to. Yeah. It, do you, uh, Bitcoin, you don't ec enter or exit a country with Bitcoin, right? Because it just lives on the cloud. Yeah, yeah. Every country has it. Like, there are restrictions, kind of like China, for example. It banned Bitcoin. You <laughs> cannot buy things in a store by Bitcoin. You can't buy things in a store of Bitcoin anywhere. No, you can. Where? In the U.S., you can. No. In, in, no, why? You know, if 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 you as a business accept Bitcoin. Oh, if you it, like, oh, I see what you're saying. Like yeah. the individual businesses have have the yeah, the it's option. legal. It's legal in 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 the US. And in China, it's illegal. It's prohibited. Yeah, but transferring P2P, you cannot cancel that. You cannot forbid this. Well, you can. No, you can't because you it's... can you can make a law and says you can't do that. Yeah, but who would stop you actually from doing that? Well, that's like saying, how you can control. Well, that's it. like saying, oh, it's illegal. You can make it illegal to sell guns, and you well, you can't stop someone from selling a gun. Yeah, oh. but uh, for, for the for the Bitcoin, it's very easy. You you, you just need uh, an internet connection. That's that's it, and you are in. And it's, but it's tra it's track the address is trackable. Is what you're saying. Uh, the, what do you mean, the public address? Your public key. Yeah, but you you can create as many as you want. So you, you can need. you can make, create a public key, take coin, and then destroy that public key, or just leave that cup public yeah, key. Yeah, and just leave it like that. Yeah. Okay, so it's not need. always. It so doesn't, that, it doesn't follow that, you that's around. That's what most of the apps would do when you're using it. You can have your pub, uh, public key. You can use this uh, as much as you want, but for the security reasons and for for anonymous reasons. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, you're good. Uh, the app would create a new address uh, almost every time you receive Bitcoin. Oh, if you have a, a hot wallet. Yeah, app. exactly. Exactly. So Bitcoin... So some countries banned it. For example, there there are some kind of... Uh, I, I'm not sure what exactly, but some Muslim country, Iran maybe, or Iraq, uh, 
made it a haram by religiously wrong to Bitcoin's use Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not halal? <laughs> haram, haram. No, I har- know. Har- haram is a sin. Haram's the abs- like the opposite of halal, kind of. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, that's how they can manipulate people, just by the religion, you know? So... Most of the centralized, as 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 most of the centralized government are against Bitcoin because it's a, uh, it's it's dangerous for their. It jeopardizes their power. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I can tell you a lot about what's going on in China and Bitcoin because that's Because you lived in China. I lived like in Bitcoin. China and I worked in in this. But you only field. Went in Hong Kong. Uh, no, I was yeah. Or I, in Shenzhen. Shenzhen and Hong Kong. Well, we then were, I thought you left Shenzhen when you were 13, went back to uh, Ukraine. No, 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 no. When I was uh, okay, to coming back to this story, when I was 17, I didn't go to college as you said, yeah. so I went straight to China back. Oh, you okay? So you went back to the Ukraine yeah. from like 13 to 17, watched the revolution go down, and then we're like, all right, it's getting boring again. I'm going back to China. <laughs> and there was a. Yeah, the reason why I left to China was partly because of revolution. And like uh, you liked it or didn't like it, or you just because it was so unstable. You you didn't. Uh, it it felt like every everything is falling, and for another ten years there will be no job or something like that. <laughs> That's how it felt. Like the economy was trash. Yeah, yeah, and, no, and no still work. like that. Still like that. It's still like that. <sighs> yeah, it's not. It's 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 getting like it's getting better now. We have the it's it's better. It's it's getting better. But it, after every re- revolution, you need uh, I don't know another five ten years to. So revolution went down. Uh, new president was elected. Yeah. Who's still there today? No, there was a, it's 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 there was, was a military coup. No, no. A year ago, there was uh, re-elected the president. The new president was re-elected, and he's actually, you know, he's a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I'm not joking. So you guys must get along well. I'm not joking. So he wasn't a politician at all. He just no. Ran he's for a media person. Democracy's so crazy. <laughs> he's a media person, really famous in Russia and Ukraine. In the and now he's a and he's not stand-up comedian, but he is comedian. And you know, before that, they created a series. Of him playing a president. Weird. And a year later, people elected him. People, just people were like, all right, that looks... <laughs> uh, we can go with that. That looks legit. It's so fucking silly. I don't know. I don't know. But you were long gone by then. Yeah, but uh, still, so I, have, seven... I have some family back in Ukraine. I have friends. Of, obviously, I'm not that engaged into politics right now. Because, no. But still, it's funny. It's nice to have a comedian for president. At least a little bit entertaining, <laughs> you know? Crack some uh, jokes. So, you move back to Shenzhen at 17. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm going to live here. Okay. Now I start. And you, and you, and you were uh, Lao Wai. Lao Wai. Lao Wai and Shenzhen. You got Lao Wai. Mm, Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, I can speak some Chinese as well. I learned it in the, uh, in the uni there later. Oh, you did go to school. Look at you. But just for uh for a year, then I left. <laughs> just when I, I I just learned Chinese, I was like, I'm settled. I'm okay. Yeah, you got There's so there's so many so much opportunities like in food is so good. What? Chinese food? Yes, you like the Chinese food? I hate it and I love it. Oh man. It's a, I, it's a love-hate relationship. Exactly. It's, it's like a, I love it so much, but I hate it. It's like <laughs> Every time I go to China, if I spend longer than but a you few can't, weeks, you can eat it every day. It's it's just so unhealthy, man. And then Oily. you leave, <laughs> and but when you it's spicy as well. It when just you burns leave, your stomach. When you leave China, wherever else you go, like whatever country you go to after, you try the food, you're like, 
I can't even taste it. Like, <laughs> like food tastes like air after 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 you Chinese true. food for a few weeks. After your palate palate gets accustomed to it, you go somewhere else and you're like, like I can't even taste this. Like China <laughs> food is it's so tasty. But you've been there for for what? I used weeks. to live there. Oh, you live there. Okay. I lived in Chengdu. Chengdu. Okay. Long time ago. Chengdu. Like, I I heard uh, there are pretty girls in Ch- in Chengdu. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's very smooth skin. <laughs> yes, very nice girls. Uh, yeah. Look, um, I mean, I had a, I had, an, I actually had an American girlfriend when I lived there, who was half Nigerian and half Swedish. She was beautiful, but it was like, her Swedish side was like very friendly and nice and polite and sweet, and her Nigerian side was like you, like very like ah, <laughs> yeah. and um. I actually cheated on her with a virgin, wow. Chinese virgin. This is years ago, man. I was like, was it worth it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, thousand percent. What, was it the first virgin you've been with? No. Okay. No. Why was uh, like how did how did it happen? You know, just uh, to tell me this story. No, I mean it's just you know, I was doing music over there and I was like just a fan, you know. And she was really cool. She was really, she was like a freaking cool girl, you know. She was like really cool and really unique, and we were like really close friends, you know. And you know, one day just it happened, like sex happens, I guess, you know, between two people, you know. And I think I told my girlfriend, and that's she was good. In, and she was like in denial. She like didn't believe me. I'm like, what? <laughs> all right, well, that's weird. But all right, anyways, um. Yeah, so yeah, I I, I lived I, I lived I lived in Chengdu for a while, man, and I have a lot of friends. My, one of my friends, one of my childhood friends, lived there for like twenty years, like married, like speaks fluent. Yeah, fluent I know people Chinese. like that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, man, I I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty like I kind of I kind of I kind of get it. Shenzhen kind of makes a push to be a little bit more international though than a lot of the other cities. That's true. It's a, not a not a not a great push, but they 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 try to sort of they have like a how was the last time you were there? Uh, the last time two years ago. Yeah. So you know that like place by the water? They made that like international. They call it like the New World Village or Shekel. something. I don't know what it's called, but it was like oh, oh is this Sea World. I don't know, but like this is the Italian section, and this is the yeah, that's the Sea World. I live th- that's where I lived basically. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, like I don't know, like. My friend that lives there lives in like this, like, like this big like loft. That's the place is owned by this super government connected like biker guy, and he's got this whole village that's like the world. And he's like, this is the like Italian restaurant. This is like the biker bar, and this is like the, the French cafe. I'm like, this is so weird, and it's all like totally fake, and the food all just doesn't taste anything like. <laughs> You know I, mean, I mean, I mean, Shenzhen is a uh, is a new city, right? It's uh, forty years old, something like that. Well, before industrialized, you, yeah, it was uh, a village. Um, now it's forty million people. Yeah, that's crazy. Almost a uh, full population of Ukraine in one city. <laughs> Massive <laughs> city. So what? So you went you went back there when you were seventeen. Yeah. Specifically, you're like, I'm done with dealing fake iPhone. Phones and I'm gonna I'm gonna start getting into crypto. No 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 no. I the before crypto it's been it, it's three years of life before crypto. So what happened is I was 17. So my my plan was I go back to China and I go to school and I have a side work to survive. 
So I went to China. I had side work to survive, but then I realized they changed the rules to go to uni. I had to be 18 years old. So I'm 17. In China? Yeah. Huh. So I'm 17. I'm like, okay, I can go to uni. So I'll get a job. And I did illegally because you cannot work in China without a working visa. So mm -hmm. it was, um, so I, I, my first job was uh, a bartender in an expat bar. This is where I learned English, actually. I was like, my English wasn't so good at the time, but I was speaking to all these old expats dudes that just hanging out there. It was, it's, it's kind of bar, like, um, it's not a cool, fancy young no, people. No, it was like, it was like, a, it was like a pub. Yeah, it's mm. like, it's like, Guys gather after work, drink a couple of pints, mm. watch football, and uh, I don't know, waste their lives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like it sounds lovely. Yeah. So the owner, uh, the owner is was a young, 25 years old Russian guy uh, who was smoking pot like crazy. His eyes were like red, and he almost like a grumpy cat. You know this this grumpy cat uh, meme. Where his eyes like like I don't know, but he was like <laughs> so high all the time. So on the third day after I arrived, uh, I went to this bar. I talked with him. He said, "You seem like a cool guy. Okay, you you know nothing about bartending, but any anything, let's hang out." So I started to work with him, and on the first day, he made a test for me. So he we smoked pot and I had to work <laughs> very high. So, uh, and I made the test. I passed the test and I was like, whoa, uh, that seems like cool. So the next half a year I was drinking and smoking pot with this dude in this bar. And it was kind of cool. <laughs> isn't, pot, isn't, isn't pot like really illegal in, Shen, in China? Yeah, it's quite illegal. I will tell you the story after that. It didn't go really well. It, it, it has no happy ending in this story. Um, <laughs> That's the only thing in China that doesn't. You know, this ending. guy this guy lived in China for a long, long time. Like, I don't know, 12, 13 years. The Russian speaks, bar yeah, owner of the bar. Speaks yeah. perfect Chinese. So, he, so he's, um, his father was a government translator. So he was in Shenzhen before. For Russia or for China? Uh He's Russian for China, I guess. Like, yeah. He, he who, was, who was he translating for? Was he translating for the Russians or for the Chinese? Uh, both, because he speaks both languages. But no, no, Russian. yeah, yeah. But who paid his? Who paid his? Who? Ch uh, I guess paid, China who wrote paid his checks. Him. I guess China. Paid All right, him. so he worked for the Chinese. Yeah, okay. I mean, he probably <laughs> worked for the for the Russians so, too. We got uh, paid on the side, but so those his parents bought him this bar, just to have to 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 for, for him to have something to do. Uh, yeah, so, and he used to sell some drugs as well. So I get, I got involved in that thing as well. So that was, that was a dark time. So, you know, for me, it was cool. I was young. It was, it, it felt really easy there as well. All, all, all drugs or just pot? Uh, no, we, we had almost, mostly pot, but we all also had like a British friends that we used to collaborate with. They used to sell Coke. Yeah. In China, which is fucked up because there is you, you get a really uh, it's it's a high risk. You get uh, sentences like twelve, fifteen years, or even death. Well, here you here here is capital punishment. Yeah, Indonesia is, is you, you'll be you can be executed. So yeah, it was a, for me it was a romantic thing, you know, like it's not like a romantic. Uh, that's not the right word, but 
You romanticized. Yeah, exactly. I romanticized it because you're cool. You hang out with cool guys. They sell drugs. It's easy money, easy life. Really fancy life. Like we used to hang out in the nice apartments, in the big clubs, and all these people that are in charge are owners of these bars and stuff. So it felt really good. And I'm in a in a good crowd as well. So people know me, and I'm like 18. So I remember my <laughs> birthday when I was 18. I had like. Uh, Four size breast blonde girlfriend, which was 25 or 28 years old, and I had like a big party with all these friends in the club, uh, which I all paid for uh, at the age of 18. So I was like, okay, this life seems like an easy thing. What happened next is uh, my visa. My visa got canceled, and um, what? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not get canceled. It just expired, sorry. And uh, I went uh, to Hong Kong to make a new visa for myself. So you, uh, you went across the bridge for a visa run? Exactly. Not just a visa run. My, I just had to make a new visa to leave. But the thing is, they, they uh, change the rules so rapidly and they don't announce it. So, so uh, when I was planning it again... Uh, it, it was possible to make a visa for me in Hong Kong. But when I left to Hong Kong, it wasn't. Uh, so I spent there two weeks. And all my stuff is back in Shenzhen. I cannot go back. So I decided, okay, I will just travel a little bit. Uh, so I went to Vietnam. Just randomly. I, I just chose a, a ticket in the airport that was available and just flew to Vietnam for four months. But at the time... I didn't have much savings, so I had to really... Wait, that that's the end of your China story? No, no, not exactly. I went back... Okay, so in Vietnam, I almost got broke. Uh, I had no job. It was a crazy time. That, that, that's where I started to really understand what the fuck is going on. What, what kind of fucked up things I used to do back in Shenzhen. How dangerous that was. And uh, how I'm not settled in my life in any way. <laughs> So yeah. I, I was uh, you had a, a moment of realization and you know your, all these things after the fucking revolution and stuff it's all it's just uh, just getting getting there um yeah so coming back to Ukraine is not an option as well because uh because just nothing to do there is there is so you're in Vietnam and you had this epiphany yeah that what you've been doing in Shenzhen was not the right path, and that you didn't want to go to Ukraine, and you had to make a decision. Yeah. And we're going to hear about the decision right after a quick break. We're going to get hydrated. We're going to have some water. Y'all, stay tuned. Part two coming soon. And remember, if I've ever said anything offensive to anybody, I sincerely apologize. I don't mean anything by it. I'm just, you know... Just trying to get people to think and get people to react and get people to engage. And I'm 100% reachable at any point at Real Talk Story on all social media platforms. And we're going to be right back. <laughs> <laughs> 